Hello everybody, it's Nicola Baird-Latham. I share my travel and skincare advice, suggestions and opinions as I run two companies in these fields. And today I am talking about travel and specifically in regards to destination weddings. So I have been doing destination weddings since I was in my early 20s and I won't say how old I am now, but I will tell you that um, destination weddings I have a huge passion for. And I didn't get married myself in destination. I got married in my hometown, Um, but I have come to realize how much easier it is to do your wedding away, how much more fun it is to do your wedding away, and also, What a way to kind of just relax, enjoy the day, and then celebrate with friends and family for the rest of the week. So in my job, one of my most common questions I get asked all the time is, what exactly do I need to know to do a destination wedding with you, and how do you do it? And my answer is probably not the same as most travel agents. Um, I work independently under a company. Um, I'm under their umbrella, but I am an independent consultant. And therefore, I don't have the same restrictions, the same time guidelines as somebody who's sitting in an office. So that being said, um, the advantage to actually doing a destination wedding with me first begins with our initial meeting because you can come and see me in the day. You can come and see me in the evening. You can come and see me on the weekend. I am probably one of the most flexible travel agents you will ever meet. And when you come and see me, I know already how most brides are. They come with their, they walk in the office door and they've got like a big huge binder and they've got on their phone their Pinterest. It's all sorted out into graphs and um, they, they're just ready to go with their questions. And then the fiance, if he comes, now sometimes he does not even come, but if the fiance comes, Usually he sits on my couch and he says barely anything. Now there is the exception and I have definitely had couples come and sit down and the guy is just boom, 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 boom with questions. And I'm like, I really like you because I feel the whole, the, the whole experience should be between the two of you. And I remember when I got married, um, even though we got married in town, my fiance, now my husband, came and did everything. We went to see the wedding planner together. We picked out the decorations together. And I honestly think I wouldn't have had so much fun or enjoyed it and looked back with great memories if he hadn't have come. Because I really feel that one of the most important aspects of of our wedding was planning it together. Now, granted, when it came to our honeymoon, because I was in that field, I took over. And so um, as much as he picked the destinations with me, he knew to leave it with me and I would sort it out. Um, But at the end of the day, there's nothing like having a fiance sit across my desk and ask questions. So when they come in, I already know that the bride is going to be on her game. She's going to have questions. She's excited. She's like super excited to meet me. And so I basically lay it out really easily. I just say to them, hey, Let's first talk about destinations. But as we talk about destinations, we also need to talk about budget. Because when you are bringing 30 plus people to a destination, that's their vacation. So when it's their vacation, they care about how much it costs. They don't have the sky is the limit. And they don't have this 
thought in their head that this is a special week because you do. So you are already saying, I don't care what it costs. I want to go away and get married and have a wonderful time. But to some of these people, it's just their regular annual vacation. So it's really important to remember that if you actually want guests to attend, you have to be in their budget. So of course, that then cuts things down from flying off to Bora Bora to probably something a little bit more like a direct flight to Mexico or somewhere in the Caribbean and usually in the budget range of $2,000 per person or less. And I'm using that number um, in Canada. So that's in Western Canada. And in Western Canada, we do have a lot of direct flights that fly to different parts of Mexico and different parts of the Caribbean. And so what I say to them is, let's talk about destinations right off the get-go. Let's discuss where you've perhaps gone on travels in the past, and then let's narrow it down. And then as they start talking about perhaps where they've gone before, what they liked, what they're expecting from a destination, it helps me start narrowing down suggestions. And I've done this long enough that once we've narrowed down a destination or at least two destinations, I can go boom, boom, boom with names of resorts and explain to them. Because at the end of the day, most of these resorts have a few pools, have lots of restaurants, are on the beach, um, you know, have different dining options, have different room options, but they can also be different price points. And so it's important to go over that with them. So that's the initial part of our meeting and we usually spend, I would say, a good half hour talking about that. And then I say to them, hey, I'm gonna get you some group pricing. I'm gonna get you group pricing on your top three resorts that we've just discussed. If you, I come back and you don't like those prices or you've discussed it and looked online and looked at TripAdvisor and you feel like one of those resorts is not for you, then we'll go back and we'll, we'll pick a fourth, fifth, and sixth. But what I find, and most people I'm sure in the travel industry find, if you give people too many choices, they all blend together, they all become as one. So usually my choices are made up of not only the budget, not only the amenities, but also how the wedding department is. And resorts definitely vary with wedding departments. Um, some wedding departments are amazing at getting back to um, travel agents, but not so much destination brides. And that's because travel agents are giving them business on, on a regular basis. So when they see my name in their inbox, they tend to jump on it and go, okay, we've got to get back to Nicola because if we don't, then she's less likely to suggest us. And I will say, side note, I have that issue at the moment. I'm dealing with a resort that I always deal with and I'm having a huge problem hearing back from one of my wedding coordinators which isn't making me happy and now I'm getting this thought process in my head well why would I suggest this hotel again in the future if I'm constantly having issues getting hold of them because it reflects badly on me which then also makes the bride upset so again, another reason why I'm selecting certain resorts to suggest, because at the end of the day, you're wanting to make it super easy and super stress-free for the bride and groom, because after all, that's why they've picked a destination wedding. And so at that point, now we've gotten the names that we're gonna get group discounts on and we're gonna get group pricing on, I move into sort of the description on how everything else works once we've narrowed everything down. And what I tell people is, number one, I will be your liaison for everything. And I say that not because I think I'm amazing and great. I say it to make it easy. 
If all of a sudden I'm only taking care of the Aaron Hotel, but I'm asking you to look after your land only guests, I'm asking you to look after your coordination with the wedding coordinator, what does that do? There's a misconnect. We're not going to all be on the same page at the same time. I'm not going to know where you are at with the wedding coordinator. You're not going to know where you're supposed to be at with the wedding coordinator. So it is just easier if I take that role. So in regards to that, what I say to people is once we've narrowed down that we've picked a hotel, before we do anything, we need to go to the wedding department and we need to make sure that the day of the wedding is available. Now in most destinations, no matter whether you're doing a legal or a symbolic wedding, so if you don't know the difference, a legal wedding means you're actually doing all your paperwork in destination, you're going to the courthouse and you're getting registered there as a bride and groom. Now in most countries that will then mean that you have to bring it back to Canada, have it translated to register it in Canada as a legal wedding. Most of my weddings are symbolic. Symbolic meaning I have somebody come to your house, do the paperwork with you at your house, make it as casual or as formal as you want based on if you've got any guests coming that can attend the destination wedding. And then basically the symbolic paperwork is the exact same in destination. So your ceremony looks exactly the same. You're just not filing it in that country. So I go over that and I explain to them, we still need to make sure that there's space for the wedding. I go to the wedding coordinator and I say, hey, during this week, we need to do a wedding. Most weddings will fall, like if it's a Sunday to Sunday, they're gonna say to me, it has to be the Wednesday or the Thursday because nobody wants to get married the day before they come home. And so I will find out if there's space. My personal preference on time of wedding day, on the time of the wedding would be 4 p.m. I say that because you want your day to flow. You wanna be able to get up in the morning, get dressed, do your makeup, do your hair, and then start the ceremony at four. Then after the ceremony, let's say it's half an hour, then at 4.30 your guests are gonna go and they're gonna have a drink while you go and get your photos done with your wedding party. And then it's gonna flow into dinner Dinner would be six to nine. Nine o'clock would be a dinner and dance if you want it to be. If you don't want to dance, you don't have to have a dance, but that's, that's a way of making the wedding day flow. It makes guests not have this big break in the afternoon because when there's a big break in the afternoon, what do they do? They go back to their room, they change, they go to the pool and they drink. And then all of a sudden they're showing up at your wedding in their swim clothes and they've had lots of drinks. You don't want that at your destination wedding. So, I tell people the timeline and I basically say that would be my suggestion. If the wedding coordinator has that, then we block it. And then at that point, we kind of have an idea of what wedding package the bride and groom want. And I've already given a description of the wedding packages to them. Nothing is in stone ever. It can always be upgraded or downgraded depending on how many guests come. But it just gives the wedding department a really good idea of what that wedding group looks like. And so then at that point, in most situations, I then go to a tour operator that we've gotten the group pricing on and I block seats. And a lot of our um, tour operators in Canada allow us to block 30 seats for three months with no money down except for the bride and groom, which is so perfect because during those three months, it means the bride and groom can do their invites. And for invitations, I usually suggest Facebook, e-invite, or 
maybe something that's not gonna take six weeks to print. Because let's face it, if you're doing a wedding here, usually you're doing these extravagant invitations that are taking six to eight weeks to print. Well, that's cutting into your 90 days. And during those 90 days, you want people to be putting down their deposits so that you have a good idea of your numbers. At the end of the 90 days, your price isn't gonna change. It doesn't mean people can't book anymore. It just means you have a really good indication of your numbers. And so 90 days comes, and if we don't have those 30 seats full, we have to hand back any seats that don't have deposits on it. And then from there on in, every time someone calls, to me, calls me and says, Nicola, I'd like to join this group, that's fine, but I've gotta to go to the tour operator and I've gotta say, hey, do you have an extra two seats? Do you have an extra room at the hotel? And then they add in the space. And so there are times when people will call and say, I'd like to join this wedding group, and all of a sudden there's no air left, or there's no rooms at the hotel. And so then we have to come up with a plan B for these people. And there is always a plan B, there's always another airline to get them there, and if they do not have rooms at the resort, there's always a way to put them at a nearby neighbor resort and get them a day pass. Um, there, where there is a will, there is a way. And I have had these situations many times over the years of doing destination weddings and there are always ways around it and ways to get people um, to the wedding. And so then after these 90 days, I usually say, okay, we have a really good indication of your numbers. And depending where we sit with timeline, I say, let's start planning the decorations, the ceremony and the dinner, usually about the four to five month mark prior to the wedding. Now, granted, we've already picked our wedding package long ago and perhaps we're sticking with it still. We're not changing it or upgrading it. So really all we're really doing is just fine tuning it. So we're picking colors for the tablecloths. We're picking the types of chairs for the ceremony. We're, we're ensuring that we have enough chairs on the ceremony site on the beach and we're checking out the menus and we're doing all the planning for if we're going to do a dance after and these back and forth situations with the wedding coordinator at the resort go between myself and the wedding coordinator and then i report back to the bride there's nothing worse than having a bride try to call down to mexico and not understand a word the wedding department is saying. So I take care of all of that, and basically, as I get information, I report back to the bride, and we fine-tune everything. Now, keep in mind, Caribbean and Mexico time is definitely different than North American time, and so when a wedding coordinator is doing three weddings a day, their focus is on today. It's not on next November of 2019. So therefore, your email may be super important to you and to me, but to the wedding coordinator that's doing weddings today, it may be like, oh my goodness, those people are a year from now, I'm putting them on the back burner. And so that's where I come into play and I can kind of talk you off the ledge and I can kind of say, look, this is usually how it goes, this is usually what happens, we'll confirm it all, don't worry. And so that's sort of why I, I interject myself into the scenario, just to keep it very um, light and stress-free for the bride and groom. Um, now, I have had a couple of times where the bride is like, look, I have to plan it myself. This is my type A personality. I need to be in control. And I'm fine with that. Like sometimes I'll say, do you want to just CC me so I know how everything's going? And they do that. Um, but most of the time, I'm the one that's sort of the coordinator um, so that they can easily get hold of me because I'm always accessible.
And so then basically um, at a certain point, so usually 60 or 75 days prior to departure is final payment for the wedding group. And so I send out a nice reminder to all your guests, just letting them know, hey, your final payment's coming up. And so we've got to get that in. And this is the date deadline. And so therefore people give me um, the price, uh, give me their credit cards or send me an email and say, okay, you know, I'm going to come into your office and pay cash or whatever. And we get that all sorted. And then I send out everybody's e-documents about two weeks prior to departure. And then we're good to go. Now, I do also offer... Um, the service of coming to the destination with you. Not a lot of people take me up on that because my theory is because I've walked you through every single step of the way of the wedding day, that when you leave Canada, you should not have any questions about the total of the bill. You should not have any questions about any extras that need to be added because we have covered everything from A to Z here. And so when you get there, you're going to meet with the wedding coordinator on the first morning. She's going to show you the ceremony site. She's going to show you the dinner site. If there are any tweaks, you let her know. Sometimes if the weather isn't the most amazing, you have to come up with a plan B. And then that's it because you've done everything. So you pay for your wedding and you're done and you're free to enjoy your the rest of your time with your guests. And so really there isn't a need for me to stand there and oversee anything because we've already done it here. And I can't say enough about this process being really successful. Um, I've known other agencies and other brides to come to me from another agency and say, you know what, Nicola, this isn't going well. Can you help me? And I don't think it's a hard process. I think you just have to fine tune it so that your bride knows that she can trust you, A, and B, that at the end of the day, um, she is able to say to her guests, there aren't going to be any issues. Now, sure, there are times when you get down there and the front desk is oversold or you know, somebody asked for two doubles and they're getting a king or vice versa and they're not happy about the betting situation because usually betting's on request. And yes, there are reps in destination to help and people do tend to text me and then I do what I can from this end. So there are always, I'm not saying everything's 100% perfect in all situations, but at the end of the day, doing it this way seems to be the best for my clients and for myself, I seem to have the most success. And as it stands right now, I do not charge extra for the back and forth and the planning of weddings because I feel like if I didn't offer that service, I would be I would be stressed and I would be like, oh my goodness, like is the wedding coordinator looking after them? Have they crossed all their T's and dotted their I's? I just walk away from a file feeling so good if I have crossed the T's and dotted the I's. So I do not charge extra for that service. Um, the tour operator pays me for your Aaron Hotel booking. So for me, that's where I gain um, my revenue. So in a nutshell, that's what we go over when you come to see me in my office. Um, I love to meet everybody ahead of time. It's not always possible because not everybody lives where I live. And so sometimes we do video conference or sometimes we just do a conference call to meet each other. Um, but there's nothing like a bride and groom coming and sitting down for the first time and being super excited. And that's the reason I stick with my business because that's what makes me that's what makes me tick, knowing that someone's going to have an amazing wedding because I helped them. 
So I hope this has been enlightening to you on the process of a destination wedding. And if you yourself are planning a destination wedding and have listened to me and thought, hmm, that sounds really interesting. She sounds like my kind of person to deal with because keep in mind, we're going to be dealing with each other for at least a year. So we have to jive and we have to click. And if I sound like somebody that would be up your alley in regards to helping planning things, um, please drop me a line. Um, You can get hold of me through nicolaandcompany.com. Um, you can also find me on Facebook under Destination Weddings and Honeymoons by Nicola Baird Latham. I hope this has been enlightening to future brides. And if you have any questions, like I say, please reach out. So until next time, I'm signing off.